if you've had no happiness in your life, you think money will fill that gap. But if you've had no money in your life, you'll also know that you can have happiness without money. Those people who think that money can bring them happiness are very often the people who you couldn't make happy with anything. Welcome back to the morning news. Welcome back to The Morning Muse, your number one weekly interview podcast. Today, we have a very interesting podcast for you. We're joined by media personality and broadcaster, Mr. Gareth Cliff. How are you doing, sir? I'm well. How are you? I've actually just been a bit cold. Oh, I know. It's been miserable all over the place. I can't wait for winter to be over. I'm not very good at this winter stuff. I'm exactly the same. And I always get flus. And I think in this time, with corona and everything... You never know what you have. <laughs> well, exactly. And and it is confusing, so I don't blame you. It's not just you. As we get right into things, may you tell us a yes, bit yes. about who Mr. Gareth Cliff is and may you enlighten us about what Cliff Central is. Cliff Central is my business. It's an online digital marketing business and we also do podcasting. In fact, we were the first in South Africa to do podcasting on a large and commercially viable scale. I've been in media for 22 years, television and radio, and I've been doing TV and radio apart from all the other stuff involved in starting this business. So it goes back a long way and uh, it shows you how bloody old I am. That's very interesting. You've been in the industry for such a long time and you're a veteran in the space. Something that we really admire about you is you're a very opinionated person and that appeals to many people. But does Mr. Gareth Cliff ever fear cancel culture? Well, they've tried. I've been doing this a long time. I had to take Mnet to court in a very publicized case where I had to fight for reinstatement on a show I didn't particularly want to go back to just because I needed to make the point that you can't just cancel people. And uh, in terms of cliffcentral.com, they can try. I mean, bring it on. I own the business. You, you can't shut me down. Good luck to you. And um, I believe freedom of speech is far and away the most important right that we have. It is the basis for all the other rights to exist. And I think cancel culture is a very real thing. And there are people and there are various entities that make it their business to try and cancel people. And uh, they're not going to get it right with me. If you want to try with me, that's fine. I'm ready for a good fight. I really admire that about you. You're not scared for people to come for you because you know what you represent. You are a media personality and broadcaster, and obviously you have Clip Central. Something really fascinating to me is how the journey starts. And may you tell us a bit about how your journey into the entertainment space started? I started off in campus radio back in 1997, so it's that long ago, and did that for a while, got fired, and used that as an excuse to get my CV into a commercial talk station called 702. Worked there for a little while, ended up doing the breakfast show. From there, moved to 5FM. They asked me to come across and do afternoons and then went for afternoons there to mornings. Did that very successfully for about eight or nine years and then started Cliff Central. That's the radio journey. And in between, there's been all the TV stuff as well. But radio is really the thing that I've enjoyed doing the most. And, you know, now with, I think it's close to 20,000 hours under the belt, I feel like I've more than done my bit for radio and really the show that we do on cliff central is it's one of a kind i haven't encountered any other show that does a live recording which the audience can be part of and then goes out as a podcast as well so we're a unique product in that way and i feel it could only really work if i'd had the experience that i have in radio and the audience that i gathered in radio it's very hard to get an audience for podcast as you guys must know it used to be very hard to get a radio audience too i think now it's probably harder than ever because 
there's so much variety and there's so many different things from all over the world that are available to people. No one just gets in the car and listens to whatever's on anymore. Your time is too valuable for that. With COVID, a lot of people aren't even driving and driving cars was the main source of radio audiences. And I think that's drying up very, very quickly. So if you're in command of a good and successful and viable podcast, you're in the pound seats for what the future of audio media is going to be. I found that very interesting and I completely agree. And I think with the whole COVID thing and people not traveling, there's so many alternatives to radio now. People can right. go watch YouTube videos, which they might find more appealing. But once you establish that audience, it really helps cement you with your new work. When you started off and you didn't have the audience, what kept you going? I never really got into radio to be popular or to be famous. If you can do a quality show for 10 people, then eventually that 10 will become 20 and that 20 will become 40 and that 40 will become 80. And before you know it, you've got a couple of thousand people listening. There is no way that you could do a crappy show for 10 people and imagine that just because 100,000 people come and listen that it's going to improve, that suddenly your show is going to get better. And lots of people think radio is easy. Lots of people think podcasting is easy just because it sounds like you know, you switch on a microphone and you start talking. It's much harder than that. It's got nothing to do with how you sound. It's got nothing to do with what you look like. It's got nothing to do with who your friends are. What it has to do with is the ability to either create something that no one else has created or to do it better than anyone else has done it. And you have to have some natural talent for that. Some people, they'll try all their lives and they'll never put together an interesting show. I know people who've been in radio for 40 or 50 years, double the time I've been in, and they're still as boring as hell. People only see the surface level of what you do, where they hear you and they just think, oh, he's just speaking into a mic, but they don't see what goes on in the background. And you have Cliff Central and the podcasting network. And I think that needs a lot of preparation to organize guests. With that, do you have a routine that you use regularly or does it change from day to day? Well, I mean, doing the, the morning show is a routine. I always say that if you think about how, for example, some people do a speech for 15 minutes and that's the only thing. Thing that they have to concentrate on for that whole week. I do two to three hours live a day, five days a week. There's only a certain amount of preparation you can do for that. The rest is to just listen carefully to what's happening around you, pay attention to what's in the news, make sure that you're talking about things that are relevant and interesting to people and bringing some of yourself to it. I have producers. They line up the guests, they get the guests ready for the show. But when the show starts and because it's live, it's up to me to make that work. And some days are better than others. I can tell you quite honestly, there are days where I've listened to the show afterwards and I've thought that must have been absolutely dreary and I'm not surprised if people don't come back tomorrow. And then there are days where it's great and you think, oh, I wish more people had listened to this because it would have made their day that much better. That's really true. And I think it's just about always trying to be consistent and whether you have one one listener or you have 10,000 to put out quality content because you don't want people to have an excuse like, oh, he did well in this one, but the last one, it was really terrible. You spoke about doing your streams for two to three hours daily. And I can imagine that you're a very hard worker. And what do you do in your spare time to get your mind off all the work? You know, I'm interested in a lot of things. I'm an avid reader. I have lots of friends. I have a family I like to spend time with. I'm fascinated by chemistry. I'm interested in architecture. I paint, I draw. You know, there's not a day that goes by where I could tell you I'm bored. So I think that's an important part of what we do as well. If you're a boring person, you will be a boring broadcaster. And a lot of people think that if they can 
just get a chance to be on the air that they'll be able to wow everybody, but they couldn't wow three people at a lunch. You have to be the kind of person who's curious about the world, and I'm interested in so many things. I like to pay attention to what's going on in the news, but I also like to watch, uh, you know, an interesting series on TV, like to go to interesting places, speak to interesting people, find out things about what's going on in the world around me that other people might not know, and then share that with my audience. If you're boring in real life, you're going to be boring on the show. That's true. By you reading books by you doing all of these other things you get more content to tell people and to enlighten users on your platform which i think is the reason why it's been so successful and as a radio presenter with the cliff central network you obviously get to communicate with a lot of people and has it affected the way you approach people and held with your confidence in your space? No, I think if anything, it's made me more reclusive because I hate attention-seeking people. And I've always found it deeply distressing and off-putting if someone is, is an, an attention-seeker. I used to be like that. That's probably why it puts me off so much. When I was in my 20s and I was just getting into radio, it was exciting to be recognized, to be noticed, for people to, to say, oh, there's that guy from the TV or from radio. And that gives you a bit of a thrill. At some point in my career, probably about 10 to 15 years ago, it started to be more of a hindrance than a happiness. I began to take less interest in being recognized and in people paying attention to me because I don't know that there's value in that. Very often you meet the wrong people. It sometimes stifles conversation. People look at you funny. They respond to you in a strange way. You know, they almost talk about you like you're not there. Like there'll be someone at the shop, you'll be ringing up your groceries and they'll be talking about you to other people in the shop while you're standing right there. It's very bizarre. That was something that fell out of the realm of something that I wanted very quickly. And as for confidence, I mean, I'm not the sort of person who relies on other people for my confidence. I don't think that that's a healthy way to go about your life. If you're expecting to be confident because of the way other people treat you, you're not really confident. You're living in this illusion that they're feeding some deep-seated <clears throat> neediness in you. And that's not confidence, that's fake. Especially if you're a broadcaster or you're a communicator, even if you have a YouTube channel on the internet, the reliance that you put on your audience is not fair. They don't owe you a damn thing and they don't owe you your fame either. You've got to work hard at making that relationship meaningful and it's got to give value to them. It's not about you at all. The moment you stop being useful to them, they have every right to just drop you and move on. And you can never take your audience for granted. And therefore, fame is this illusory thing that you don't get to bank it. You don't get to say, well, now I'm famous, then my work is done. You're only as good as your last show. And you're only as good as people will remember you in that last interaction for. That's very interesting. And I really like your last statement about how you're only as good as your last show, which just tells you that you need to always put your all so all the sleepless nights, all the working, that's what is then seen and that's what people... Yeah, but let's also be fair. I mean, I, you know, let's not pretend radio is the hardest job in the world. There are people who work in mines who have to wake up really, really early, put on a hard hat, go underground, dig out coal and diamonds and gold and come out just before the sun goes down and maybe get to see their families once a month. I mean, that's a hard job. Radio is not that hard. If you are skilled and talented at it and you enjoy what you're doing, it's actually one of the easiest jobs in the world. I'm not going to pretend it's difficult. Someone who's running a massive multi- 
multinational corporation and can't sleep because he's worried about cash flow. And that guy has a much harder life than, you know, ooh, what am I going to talk about tomorrow? That's hardly the same kind of difficulty. And I don't think think of myself as being this extremely hardworking person who's putting in the hours and working until three in the morning to make sure that my show is prepared for the next day. If I was doing that, then I'm really stupid because I'm wasting a huge amount of time that I could be doing other things with. I've never heard it from that point of view about how radio isn't hard. You just have to have the skill and the talent for it. You've had a career that spanned for such a long time. And in your career, what's been your highlight moment? Oh, listen, that's a very hard thing to ascertain. I've had callers, people I've never met before in my life who have inspired me, people who've told great stories on my show. I've met amazing people in my life. I was able to read excerpts from A Long Walk to Freedom alongside Morgan Freeman at a Nelson Mandela Memorial, which we put oh. together in New York City a couple of years ago. And Bill Clinton gave the eulogy at that ceremony, which really I'd helped put together. That was a moment of extraordinary triumph, I think, just from the point of view that I was able to make a difference for South Africa internationally because of, you know, our president and the difference he made in the world. But none of that stuff really matters because, you know, everybody's writing their own history. And sometimes you'll leave things out that you think aren't important and other people think, wow, you should have kept that in. That's amazing. And similarly, you might think something is particularly significant, but it might have had no impact on your career. I've written two books. Both of them have done very well. I've been on television. I had two of my own TV shows, which lasted for a whole season each. I've been on Idols, which is arguably the most highly rated TV show in South African history. All of those things are great, but they're also in the past and you have to be focused on what you're going to do next. I think cliffcentral.com is my most proud achievement so far, not for me, but because of the opportunities we've provided to other people to do something different and creative, to be able to put together shows that would never have made it on radio and to let them play no. in, a, in a world where they're not going to be punished for thinking creatively, being different or offending, God forbid, some small member of the community or some small section of the community that really deserves to be offended in the first place. You know, creating opportunities for other people has probably been, without being too twee about it, has probably been the better part of my contribution if there is such a thing. I really like how you've made your own platform and with that you're allowed to express freely because you're not under a radio station or something that limits your thoughts. So you get to express whatever you want to express, how you want to express it. And as an altruistic influencer and role model to many people, what advice would you give anyone trying to pursue a similar career path? No. We don't need more radio people. I think go and become someone useful. Go and become an engineer. Go and become a chemist. <laughs> become a teacher or a policeman. Or become someone who can do what these useless politicians all over the world seem unable to do and administer things properly. Just be a good bureaucrat, if nothing else. We don't need more people in radio. Radio is full. And frankly, I don't think there's much of a future for the medium. I think being able to tell good stories and being able to ask the right questions and being able to provide a platform for other people to share their views, that's always going to be important. But do we need someone telling you the name of a song, giving you the time, telling you what the traffic's going to be like today, what the weather is? You know, your phone does all of that. You don't need a DJ anymore. There's no room for those people. They've become redundant. They like, um, you know, like old record players. There's no need to have an old record player in your house anymore unless you collect antiques because old record players have been surpassed by modern technology. And the idea of a radio station and a DJ and playing the hits is just so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. There's no one under the age of 25 anywhere in the world who gives a damn what the number one song is on the countdown this Saturday. You can go on any number of internet sites and find any 
any song you like. If you subscribe to Apple Music, you can find any song in the history of humanity. Why the hell would you listen to a radio station? Especially to someone who's probably not as clued up as all the research that Apple can gather. Probably because that person is really in it for themselves. They're talking to themselves. It's a big self-absorbed marathon and it's boring. I've never thought about it like that, but giving that insight, it really makes me think about how DJs are personalities, but what they do is now being provided by so many other things. I think something really important is time. And I don't think there are a lot of people who now have the time to just sit down and just listen to the number one song or to just sit down and listen to the latest Justin Bieber song on the radio when they can do that on their phone. Right. Ultimately, even news, you know, you can get your news from any number of places. So unless you can provide insights to that news and help people understand things, it's almost like your job is then to be a curator or an editor or a person who's able to summarize situations or make sense of complicated things, then you'll always have a job. You'll always be useful. If you're just there to collect stories and to read them off the wires, there's no job for you. If you're just there to tell people stuff they can find on the internet, there's no job for you. You need to be slightly better than that. And frankly, if you're not, find another job because we don't need radio people. That's a luxury, not a necessity. As we get to rounding off, in every podcast, I have a signature question, which is, what does happiness mean to you? So today, Mr. Gareth Cliff, what does happiness mean to you? Well, first of all, that's probably one of the most fundamental questions that we can ask each other. And it's a very smart question to ask because it tells you a lot. It gives you a huge amount of insights into what motivates people and what they're really after in their lives. I've always liked the idea of the American dream, which is the pursuit of life, liberty and happiness, right? And happiness being the most important part of that, because to each person, and happiness is a very different thing. For me, happiness is being able to spend time with my family, with my friends, being able to do things that expand my mind, that teach me more about the world, that keep me curious. I love the pursuit of knowledge. I think knowing more is its own kind of happiness. It's its own reward. And the small things in life are often the ones that reward us the most. And there may be many people who go, oh, yes, sure. But wouldn't you rather have a million bucks? You know, I know people who are seriously, seriously wealthy. I know people who, you know, one small click of their fingers and Switzerland goes third world, that kind of thing. These people are not any different to you and me. They are precisely the same. They're made of the same organic stuff. And the fact is that there's only so much that you can buy that will ever give you happiness. And of course it is, as the proverb goes, it's much better to be crying in a Rolls Royce. But the reality is this, true happiness is not in finding material things or making yourself comfortable or even living a long life. I think it's in squeezing every drop of joy out of every minute you have and sharing it with people who matter to you and also to fulfill yourself from the point of view of creating really good memories because at that moment when it's all over just before you breathe your last breath i'm sure that there are loads and loads of people who will say that they didn't regret the things they did not one of them, even the bad ones, but they definitely regretted those things that they didn't do. And you want to get to the grave one day having some great memories. That's entirely up to you. You're not going to remember what your bank balance was. You're not going to remember whether the clothes you wore were a thousand rand or five rand. You're not going to remember whether or not the car that you drove was X or Y. None of that's going to be in your final memories. Your final memories will be about other people, about interactions, about knowledge, about the majesty of this planet and this universe and this amazing coincidence, this miracle that we even exist and those connections that you make to other people and other things that you expect and you don't expect and that are beguiling that to me is just the source of all happiness that's really true and i feel like money brings temporary happiness because of positions you're going to be happy for a bit 
and then you're going to think about the next thing but i think happiness is like family stuff that yeah. you can't necessarily buy and stuff that gives you that internal happiness and continues to give happiness sorry to interrupt you you just made me think of something if you've had no happiness in your life you think money will fill that gap but if you've had no money in your life you'll also know that you can have happiness without money those people who think that money can bring them happiness are very often the people who you couldn't make happy with anything because they're either traumatized, they're broken, they're severely depressed, they've had terrible childhoods, they've had no love shown to them. I can only imagine how awful that is and I'm not going to judge them. But I will say that it's almost a dead certainty that you could give them endless amounts of money and they'd never find out. That's really true. And they speak from a point of seeing like material possession, seeing a car and thinking, if I get this car, I'm always going to be happy. But the truth is you might be happy for a day or a month but soon that happiness will not be there anymore because it's a material possession. But if you have your mom or your brother who are there, who show love to you, that's always going to be a source of happiness. And I think you really see it when you lose someone dear and you think about, would I rather have a million dollars right now? Or would I have this person back? And it always goes back to the person because they continued to give happiness. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's very smart. And, um, and just like you are, we're all humans that are trying very hard to make our way into this world and to make sense of it. And for all we know, we may be getting closer to it. I sometimes think when things like coronavirus happen, <laughs> that we're further than ever from figuring these things out. But it yeah. is an amazing, it is an amazing journey. The miracle isn't whether we get to live forever or we discover our purpose in the world or any of that stuff, although those things matter. The miracle is that you're here in the first place. The chances of human beings existing is just so small. And the chance of out of all of those billions of human beings that you are the conscious one who's able to understand your own existence what an extraordinary privilege. That's so true. And with that, I'll just like to say thank you so much, Mr. Gareth Cliff, for joining us on The Morning News. It was an absolute honor getting to speak to you and hearing your thoughts. And we wish you the best in all your endeavors. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoy it. I've always loved how entertainment can influence young people and influence the way that we do things. I want to play a part in that and I want to also leave a mark. And I think that's what always kind of drives me. Welcome back to the morning news. Welcome back to the morning news, your number one weekly interview podcast. Today's episode is a very special one. We are joined by South African DJ, radio personality and singer, Miss Cosmo. How are you doing, ma'am? Fine and yourself? I'm actually a bit cold. I had a flu and you know how it is nowadays about how you never know what it is. Yes, that's the scary part about what we're going through right now is that you never know exactly what's happening. I think it's also good for some industries. Like I could imagine the radio industry because everyone's now at home. People are now listening more. And how has the pandemic affected your line of work? It's been difficult on all aspects. I mean, whether it's radio, whether it is DJing, it's been very difficult purely because we also have to comply with COVID regulations. So if we're coming into studio, maybe it's only one person who's in studio. There was a point last year where we were pre-recording, which was adding more work onto our plate. 
associate with regards to making sure that the production of the show actually sounds like you're live on radio. So that was a very difficult point. But I do understand where you're coming from about getting people's attention. And it's also at a point where now everyone's fighting for the same consumers and fighting for the same attention from different people. So uh, you just have to kind of step your game up a little bit with the content, which is good because I guess it's kind of making sure that we're at the best of our abilities within different spaces. But obviously as a DJ, it's been extremely hard because we're not able to be outside. We can't necessarily play at gigs. And that's been the hardest part of it all financially, obviously from a DJ perspective. But yeah, kind of working on a little bit of everything else. I think competition is good because that also helps you increase performance. But I completely understand about not having gigs in that line of work. As we begin, may you tell us a bit about who Miss Cosmo is and what sparked your interest in radio? Uh, Miss Cosmo is a hip-hop DJ, radio presenter. I'm also a music producer. I started out as a hip-hop DJ and then obviously from the DJing got into radio, from radio into music production. So everything else kind of span into my space from there. But yeah, man, I think it's been a really enjoyable ride and I'm still enjoying the marathon and there's still so much more that I'm willing to do and I want to do for my career. You're really doing everything and we love to see it from radio <laughs> to producing music. And you even opened up for Kanye West when he came. All of the artists that I've opened up for have all been in South Africa. So it was when they were doing their tours in SA. So Kanye West came way back. I think it must have been 2015, if I'm not mistaken. So that was a really great time in my career. Chris Brown as well, um, Two Chains, also played at his concert as well as Kendrick Lamar. With the music that you've made, who were some of your influences early into your music career? Jeez. My influences <laughs> is influenced by a lot of the artists that I actually enjoy listening to. So obviously the likes of Beyonce, Destiny's Child, Nicki Minaj. I'm very heavy on female hip-hop and female artists. Outside of that, also in South Africa, I really enjoy people who are really kicking as the side as well. The likes of Lucy Swa, Moonchild. I love what Rouge is doing with her brand as well, Moosley. Um, so for me, a lot of the people that I collaborate with are people that I'm actually fans of their music. And you can see that with the way that I structure some of my songs as well. That's really interesting. And South African music, it's on its right. Yes, that's true. Something really fascinating to me is the journey. And may you tell us about how your passion for the entertainment space started? Oh man, I've always been a lover for the entertainment space. I think also because I grew up in Johannesburg. So for me, being in Johannesburg just made it that much more easier because I was within the hub of the entertainment space. I was always going out. I was always going to events. And for me, that's what made it easier to get into the space because I knew a lot of people in the entertainment industry and it was a passion of mine anyway when I was growing up because from performing at talent shows in high school, being in the choir, music has always kind of spoken to me even as a child. I even used to make playlists and I used to make compilation CDs when I was growing up. So that also kind of spoke to the fact that this music thing is actually something that I really enjoy. And getting into it was just the difficult part because I wasn't really sure which side of entertainment I wanted to get into. But obviously getting into DJing is what has kind of spiraled into me getting into all the different other spheres as well. I think that's why you've been so successful. A big thing about you was you were the first female DJ on the basement on MTV. Yeah. And being a pioneering woman in that aspect, what was the reception and what challenges did you face with that? The difficult 
difficulty about being on basement at that time was I was taking over from a legend at the time. So the person who was doing the basement mixes prior to me was DJ Waxy. And I think at the time, everybody knew that Waxy was the guy who you needed to get a hold of. If ever you needed a DJ, he was revered within the DJ space. Everybody just really understood him. So for someone to be replaced, it was always just a little bit of a heart-wrenching moment. So for me, the difficulties that I kind of came in was being accepted because I think a lot of people didn't think that I had it in me to be on a platform like that. But also over and above that, I think a lot of people also just didn't understand the changes and I was getting a lot of flack for the type of songs I was playing because maybe people didn't understand the type of music I was playing because I was playing a lot of recent stuff. So there was this, that, and the next thing, but the biggest thing was obviously acceptance. But with time, obviously once people get used to it, and I think that's the, the case in anything, it happened in radio as well. The moment there's a change, people are upset until they get used to it and then they enjoy it. So it's one of the things I've had to kind of learn in my career on different spaces, whether it be DJing, whether it be basement, whether it be radio. Because on radio, I also took over from C Live, who was also a legend on radio. So I kind of faced the same type of challenges there as well. That's very interesting. And I think you taking over from people who've been big in the space, it encourages you to fill the shoes and do better and to continue giving yeah. the consumers the highest quality work that you can do. Definitely. As a DJ, you create mixes and remix tracks that are already recorded, which I believe takes a lot of preparation and work. With that, what does yeah. a typical day in your week look like? And do you have a routine that you follow religiously or does it change from day to day? It changes from day to day. It also changes on my schedule for the week. I mean, the only thing that I think I do kind of stick to is my Sundays and my Mondays because Sunday I'm working a lot. That's when I record podcast. I also then do my radio show on a Sunday. So it's usually work and gigs over the weekend. On Mondays is my off day because I've been working the whole of Sunday. So when everyone else is resting, I'm working. So I rest on a Monday. So I don't do any interviews or no matter what. Tuesdays is usually my admin day to kind of catch up on what's happening for the week. Wednesdays and Thursdays is when I schedule meetings and things like that. And of course, then the weekend starts again on Friday. Do you think your schedule has been instrumental in the success of you as a DJ and a music producer? Definitely. I think it's important for people to know that they need to be professional within their spaces. And I think if you just kind of just wing it is when things don't come together. So if you create a bit of a routine, it helps you stick to your goals. It helps you stick to your plans and you're able to then view yourself professionally as well. So I do think it is important for people to kind of understand what they're doing on what specific days so that they can plan ahead when people need to see them. If you need to do interviews, you're able to schedule accordingly and people also then can view you as somebody that they can work with in future. A schedule really just helps you get all your work in order yeah. and just keep you on track so that you aren't doing something that you aren't supposed to do on that specific day. Exactly. As a successful influencer and media personality, I can imagine that you've encountered challenges along the way. What keeps you going when things get tough in your respective field? Um, What keeps me going? I would have to say it's my passion for music. I think it's also just wanting to be successful. I've always been very difficult on myself. I've always wanted the best for myself. And sometimes you have to look at it and be like, yo, if I don't do it myself, no one else is going to do it for me. You know what I mean? I have a support system from a love perspective, but financially I'm on my own. And if I don't make it, then I'm going to be out on the street. So it's things like that that make you realize that, hey, if I don't get up today, I'm going to kick out tomorrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> but outside of having a place, 
place to stay. I think it's just my passion for the music. It's my passion for the industry. I've always loved how entertainment can influence young people and influence the way that we do things. And I want to play a part in that and I want to also kind of leave a mark. And I think that's what always kind of drives me is to say, let me do something for the industry. Let me do something for the girls so that the girls also have a position to play within the entertainment space and be taken seriously. Being self-regulated is very important and that's something that you've really understood because you motivate yeah. yourself and tell yourself, okay, I have to do this. And it's also really yeah. good because a lot of girls now look up to you as if she can do it, then I can try. I can also do it. Because of that, you leave a legacy where people will say, I only went into radio because Miss Cosmo started and... I really liked hearing what she would say. Exactly. And that's all I really want. I want girls to know that they can do it too. I think that's the important thing for me is creating that space where people can think, actually, I'm also capable and not bowing out early just because you feel as though it's a boys club only. I believe that supportive friends and family around you can really help in support of your goals and help with your vision. And with that, who are the three people who have been the most influential to you on your journey? Well, support system-wise, obviously my mom, my sister, my dad, my brother, but definitely my friends as well. I think it's important to have a good support system from a friendship perspective because they're also people who can call you out if you're going to do something wrong and you need to be able to take some of that feedback. You know what I mean? It's really important to have the right people around you and not necessarily have someone who's going to be a yes man around you because having yes men doesn't really help you anyway because you don't grow as a person. So I think it's important for you to have people who can tell you when you're doing something wrong so you can fix your act. That's really good to have people who are honest around you. Exactly. That's the important thing. So that's why I really feel like the support system also has to come from the people that you surround yourself with. Because if you surround yourself with the wrong people, that's when you also go wrong because you feel as though you're invincible. Meanwhile, you're just human, just like everybody else. As an altruistic influencer and role model to many young people, what advice would you give anyone trying to pursue a similar career path? I think for me is constantly work hard, constantly set goals for yourself. And obviously, if you know what you want, you need to go for it. Please also be honest with yourself. I think a lot of people also just need a little bit of a reality check when it comes to this industry, because it is difficult. As much as they say that pie is big enough, the pie is big enough, but it's also big enough for people who are talented and people who know exactly what they are going for. If you have talent, 100% keep pushing, keep working hard, but also direct yourself in the right spaces. Put yourself in something that's easy for you to do. Don't feel as though that you are being influenced incorrectly. Don't be in a position where now you're doing something that you feel society wants, but it doesn't feel right to you. Because at the end of the day, society can see when you're faking it. So I really feel as though people need to be honest with themselves from that perspective so that they can at least flourish naturally and organically and people can love you for who you are and not what you put on a social media page. That's something so interesting about being authentic in yourself. That's the problem with a lot of people. How someone might want to do radio and because of that, they just say what people want to hear. And as much as people want to hear, you aren't doing anything differently because they can go hear that same opinion from 50 other DJs. What you spoke about is just really good about being authentic and also just hard work because there's so many people who want to be DJs. And for you to reach that 1%, you have to outwork them. You have to think about how am I going to make my content better? How am I going to grow my audience? I really like your mindset on that topic. And in every podcast, I have a signature question, which is what does happiness mean to you? So today, Miss 
Cosmo, what does happiness mean to you? Oh man, happiness to me is putting a smile on your face every day, being able to wake up and be proud of who you are and not have to question your motives, not have to question yourself. Happiness to me is being able to wake up every morning and have people who love you around you. That's what happiness is. I know a lot of people talk about needing money, they're needing gratification through material things. And for me, I'm just like, especially now, because we've gone through COVID, we realize that life is actually pretty short and anything could happen in any moment. There's nothing wrong with wanting money, but it can't be the main focus. And that's why for me, I would rather say success and happiness is more about the love and support around you and you feeling whole as a person and feeling okay with yourself every day when you wake up and not having to be embarrassed or be doubtful about certain actions. That's very interesting. And I think money brings temporary happiness. I think happiness is found in loved ones. People think you need money to make you happy, but when you don't have money and you're still happy, that's when you see that money isn't everything. Exactly. So that's the important thing for me. Yes, we need money to survive every day, but it's not the beginning and end all of life because when you die, you don't die with your bank account. You die with your soul. You die with your feelings. You die with your emotions. You die with who you are. You don't necessarily bring your cell phone and your house and your car with you in your grave. So that's why I think it's important for people to also live holistically for themselves and not necessarily for other people. That's very interesting. And with that, I'll just like to say thank you so much, Miss Cosmo, for joining us on The Morning News. It was an absolute honor getting to speak to you and getting to learn from you. And we wish you the best in all your endeavors. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoy it.